Freedom doesn't need more cheerleaders shouting partisan slogans. It needs thoughtful, principled disciples of liberty. Deep down, we all know that freedom and liberty matter. This is where we discuss why they matter. It's time to elevate the discussion. Welcome to the never-ending quest for clarity. This is Loving Liberty with Brian Hyde. Hey, welcome to the Loving Liberty program. You know, I got to start out with a confession today because uh, I, I learned something that I guess a lot of people may have suspected for a long time. And, and what I learned is I learned yesterday that I am, in fact, the worst person in the world. Let me explain. My kids didn't have to point it out to me. This was a moment of self-realization. And it dawned on me as I was watching a video of uh, a rescue of a fallen hiker in Arizona. Apparently a 74-year-old woman out hiking. Um, She had injured herself somehow. Search and rescue came to help her out. And the sheriff's deputies and others in the search and rescue party decided, you know, probably would be the best course of action to airlift the woman to an area trauma center. She wasn't seriously injured, but she was injured enough. They they thought, you know, carrying her out or trying to take her out, you know, maybe on a four-wheeler, wasn't going to cut it. So in came the rescue helicopter. Okay, fair enough. We've all seen this before, right? They put her in a nice, uh, you know, basket, put her in the the stretcher basket, and began to hoist her up to the helicopter. Okay, everything's good at this point. And I guess maybe it's the the rotor wash or something, but uh, the closer she got to the doorway of that helicopter, the harder that basket began to spin. And I don't just mean like lazy, da, 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 she's just slowly turning. I mean, like she's turning at a rate that would, would uh, rival the rotors of the helicopter. It's, I'm, I'm talking, they, we don't spin astronauts that hard, you know, to train them for G-forces that they're going to experience in space travel. And, and it just goes on. The video is about two minutes or so long, and and. They start to lower back down to the ground and the the spinning slows down and they're like, okay, okay, got it under control. They start to bring her back up again and then it just goes even faster. Every time I thought to myself, man, that couldn't get worse. It got worse. Now she's securely strapped in. Okay, there was no danger of her, you know, flying off into orbit or anything. But, you know, as, as a friend of mine pointed out, a ride like that, it sent you back 10 bucks at the county fair. And here's the worst part. This is where I realized, man, you are a bad person. Brian, you are, you are not the good man that you think you are in your heart. Because the harder that basket spun and the longer the spinning went on, I couldn't help. I started laughing. I tried not to laugh. But I sat there and laughed because <laughs> I'd never seen anything so, so crazy. And in my mind, I'm thinking, man, at what point do you tell your rescuers, hey, 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 you know, go ahead, just put me back on the ground. I'll walk it off because that would be preferable to whatever was happening. So 74 year old woman, and I mean, they wound her up. It it was just insane. Well, apparently they did get her to the hospital. There came a point where you see the helicopter pilot finally say, I'll screw this. And just they took off with her dangling and still spinning. But the spinning slowed down as they actually started to move forward and get some airspeed going. She sort of stabilized. I assume they got her on board and then, you know, headed off to the trauma center. When she was there, her injuries were very minor. She was nauseous, (laughs) small wonder, and had a bit of a headache. But other than that, uh, appeared to be okay. Wow. I, you know, I just, and the, the, the comments, oh man, the comments on YouTube. Wow. She's going to need some time to unwind from that. And I laughed more. The comments were, were hilarious. I don't know. Maybe it's a coping mechanism. Please tell me. I'm trying to justify this in my mind because I, I really wish no harm on anybody. And, and, and I'm not keen on taking pleasure in somebody else's discomfort or misfortune. The fact that she was not further injured, I'm grateful for, but I was a little bit surprised at how it, I was laughing till I was almost in tears at the, the spectacle of that, that stretcher basket just spinning like a top. And I had to wonder, what were the rescuers thinking? Uh, you know, normally, I guess they have what they call a tagline that they'll, they'll tie to it to help stabilize it as it's hoisted up. Apparently, that line broke. And then the the rotor wash and who knows maybe the the rotation of the earth something something got her spinning and it was it was on so 
You probably see this. It's I mean, it's on the Drudge Report. Uh, I know others have been sharing it. Okay, to be fair, I shared it on Facebook just because I was incredulous. But it, it was so funny. People's reactions go back and forth. Oh, that poor, poor patient to... Man, I laughed until I, I almost peed my pants. It's a crazy thing. So I guess, I, I don't know what the lesson would be from this. I try to learn something from, you know, from everything that I see. But I think the lesson here is if uh, if you fall in the Phoenix Mountains, uh, you might want to just consider the ground transportation just to be safe. No disrespect to the helicopter pilot or the search and rescue guys. I'm sure they were doing the best they could under the circumstances. But wow. What a spectacle. All right. Well, I feel better. My soul feels somewhat unburdened now that I've got that off my chest. How are you doing anyway? There's so much going on today. By the way, I want to let you know next hour, next hour, I will be visiting with Isaac Morehouse. He is one of the founders of Praxis, and he's also one of my favorite people, one of my go-to sources for a different take on what should I do with my life? I know there are a lot of young people asking this question right now. My son David just graduated high school last week, and that's one of the questions on his mind. What can I do with my life? And, you know, part of, <clears throat> part of the options in front of him are, well, you, uh, you know, you, of course, studied hard in high school. You got good grades, so you could go to a good college, get a degree, and then, you know, get a good job and work there for the rest of your life. And that's the formula I think most of us have been taught and and most of us, to some extent, have followed for a good portion of our lives. But are there alternatives? And by by alternatives, I don't mean that you have to be down on higher education just to recognize that maybe that's not the the right course for everybody. For instance, uh, I have a friend who teaches welding at an applied technology school in southern Utah. This guy is one of the greatest mentors I have ever known. Not just in welding, not just in building cars or, um, you know, mechanicking. He's an engineer by, by training, but he's just, he's a great human being. And, and on top of that, and this is, you'll understand now, oh, that's why Brian sees, you know, sees him in such a good light. He's also uh, just a, a lifelong advocate and defender <clears throat> of personal freedom. And it's not just in the words he says. He doesn't just give you a st- politician stump speech about, you know, kids, freedom is a great thing. It's how he lives his life. It's how he treats other people. It's how he uses the opportunities in front of him. You can just see this is a guy who really gets it. And, and he has told me many times about the, the young men who come to him who don't have a lot of options academically. They were not performers. Sometimes they were at risk, you know, multiple family members in jail or maybe a revolving door of... You know, convicted criminals coming in and out of their household because of, you know, family problems, addictions and so forth. And these guys, because of that lack of academic opportunity, would be on a fast track to some some pretty, pretty scary or pretty risky places. Yeah, you can make a lot of money if you sell drugs, but there's also a lot of risk involved in that, too. But you teach them a useful skill, for instance, like welding. And right out of high school, these guys find that it's something that they're good at. They get the sense of accomplishment because they're, they're making something. They are, they're bettering the world through their efforts. And somebody's paying them upwards of fifty, sixty thousand, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 a year, depending on the job, to come and do that work for them. That's a pretty neat opportunity. And so instead of, you know, falling in with gangs and, you know, running the streets and, and you know, trying to cause mischief. Here you've got 18 and 19 year old young men who are stable enough in their life that they're like, you know what? They're ready to find a good girl and settle down and begin a family. And by the way, I'm not suggesting that's the course for everybody. I'm just saying they could be out partying with their friends, but they found something better. They found a way to direct their energies. And it was kind of a non-traditional thing, or at least that's how vocational training has been seen for a long time. So there's one option. Wait till you hear what Isaac Morehouse has to suggest, though. Because Praxis takes that even one step further. And I don't want to I don't want to spill my candy here in the movie lobby, but uh, I'll just tell you, he he has a really refreshing take on this. That's that's very liberating 
for someone who's faced with that question, what should I be doing with my life? What can I do? Maybe another way to ask it is, who am I? What was I put here on this earth to do? I know a lot of adults older than me who still have yet to ask themselves that question. Or they're asking it and wondering, is it too late? Have I missed that window of opportunity to, to borrow a phrase from the U.S. Army, be all that I can be? Wait till you hear his message of encouragement. I think you're going to like it. It's coming up in the next hour. All right. In between now and then, I have some other stuff to inform, to uh, enlighten, to empower, and hopefully entertain as well. This is Loving Liberty, and I'll be back after these messages. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Life is lived by moving forward. Seizing the open road, embracing what's ahead. It's why we created Ford Pass. Everything you need to keep forging ahead in one app, right in the palm of your hand. Only Ford Pass combines roadside assistance, Ford Pass rewards, and now when you buy or lease a new Ford, earn points you can use toward flexible complementary maintenance. Ford Pass, built to keep you moving, built Ford proud. Visit your participating Ford dealership to find out about earning points for flexible complimentary maintenance when you buy or lease a new Ford and sign up for rewards. Roadside assistance is included for certain Ford owners and available to everyone for a per-service fee. Ford reserves the right to change program details without obligations. Visit your participating dealer or FordPassRewards.com for program rules and restrictions. Ford Pass, compatible with select smartphone platforms, is available via a download. This is a special announcement for all Americans who owe back taxes to the IRS or state. New tax reform guidelines have increased the success of the Fresh Start Initiative. Pay attention. There's a special toll-free hotline set up especially for you. This hotline will give you free information on how you can legally reduce or eliminate your tax debt. Call the tax problem solvers at 1-800-928-7418. 1-800-928-7418. You'll speak to tax experts that will analyze your tax matter and tell you how to stop the collection calls, IRS letters, bank levies and wage garnishments. Ignoring the IRS is not an option, and doing so puts you at greater risk. Let us deal with the IRS on your behalf so you don't have to. New guidelines have made it easier to qualify for a fresh start, but this won't last, and your tax problem will only get worse if you do nothing or try to handle it yourself. It makes a big difference in who you call. Contact the hotline today for a free six-step guide to reduce your taxes. 1-800-928-7418. That's 1-800-928-7418. Weekday afternoons, rub shoulders with trusted voices of truth and insight. The American Mutsos Show with Eric Mutsos. The Read Hour with Lawrence W. Reed. Loving Liberty with Brian Hyde. The Liberty Effect with Ammon Bundy. And Stranger Than Fiction with Ralph DeLugas. Right here on the Loving Liberty Radio Network. Welcome back to Loving Liberty. I'm Brian Hyde. I have a telephone here, 801-331-8113. Let me give that once again a little slower, 801-331-8113. That's just there for your benefit. If you're catching the live broadcast, you can always call in. If you're listening to the podcast, sorry you missed the opportunity, but would uh, still love to hear from you. You know, you can message me on the Loving Liberty app. That's a free app you can download to your smartphone. Very, very easy to uh, to download. And there is a part on that app that will allow you to uh, chat with the host. So send me, the, uh, send me your thoughts, and I would love to hear from you. 
So something I have heard bandied about here the last few weeks, and I've listened with a little bit of interest, is the idea that the Democrats are lining up to impeach Donald J. Trump. I mean, the, the Mueller investigation went on for the better part of two years. No collusion with Russia was found. But there have been some hints, and I think at this point it's only hints, uh, darkly, you know, hinted at here that, well, you know, he may have obstructed justice. In other words, he he would not cooperate with the lynch party that was uh, arranging his hanging. And so now we have talk of impeachment, and and I've heard a couple of different takes on this. I've heard some say that, well, that would be the worst thing the Democrats would do. You want to mobilize the the Trump base and even people who may be sitting on the fence. That would be the way to do it. Sure. You know, start articles of impeachment and and see where that gets you. I love Jacob Hornberger's take on this. Because he takes it from a very principled point of view, and he's he's carrying no water for Trump for or against. But he asks the question, would Trump's impeachment lead to freedom? And this is the question that I would ask you to kind of have in the back of your mind when you hear someone talking about either for or against impeachment. Well, if we impeach Trump, we're going to solve a lot of this nation's problems. And I know there are people who sincerely believe that. All we have to do is get him out of office. Kind of like when Obama was president. All we have to do is prove that his birth certificate is, is false, the Hawaii one, and that he was actually born in Kenya. And then we can prove he's not uh, fit to be the president of the United States. He doesn't qualify. We remove him from office. Our problems are over. I've literally had people yell at me in public. I was invited to speak to a, a gathering of uh, um, of Republicans in southern Utah. And, and a lady really took me to task. I mean, she was bagging on me for not getting on board. The, well, if we just could get Obama out of office, everything would be great. And I'm, I'm, Jacob Hornberger says it way better than I did, but I, I'm going to ask you to consider the same thing. If Donald Trump were removed from office, what would actually change? And especially if we ask ourselves, what's the goal? What's, you know, is, is it to stop corruption in Washington, D.C.? Because Trump ain't perfect by a long shot, but he has, uh, he has acted as friction against the wheel of massive institutionalized corruption that's been churning away for years there in D.C. Now, that doesn't make him the the be-all, end-all solution, but the point being here, take him out of the picture, nothing is going to change. Listen to how Jacob Hornberger explains it. He says, for libertarians, the obvious question arises, would the impeachment of Donald Trump lead to the free society for which we libertarians yearn? And he says, there's a simple answer to that question. The answer is no. Even if Trump is impeached in the House of Representatives, convicted in the U.S. Senate and removed from office, we will not be any closer to a free society than we are now. So why are some libertarians getting all hyped up over Trump's possible impeachment? Why get hyped up about something that isn't going to lead to a genuinely free society? One libertarian-leaning conservative commentator says, well, what could be more libertarian than holding public officials accountable? Well, here's Jacob Hornberger's answer. Let's count the ways. Abolish or end Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, farm subsidies, education grants, public schooling, drug laws, economic regulations, the minimum wage, occupational licensure, public housing, tariffs, trade wars, the Pentagon, the military-industrial complex, the CIA, the NSA, foreign military bases, foreign wars, foreign interventions, foreign aid, coups, alliances with dictatorial regimes, torture, assassination, the war on terrorism, homeland security, and the departments of education, labor, agriculture, and a multitude of other welfare, warfare programs, laws, departments, and agencies. That would actually have an impact on making us more free. That's quite a list, isn't it? Hornberger says, even though both conservatives and liberals or progressives favor all of those things, the fact is their abolition would be much more libertarian than holding public officials accountable. A free society necessarily depends on the abolition of infringements on liberty, not just holding public officials accountable for their misconduct or misdeeds. I think he has a point here. The accountability thing is a symptom. The displeasure with Donald Trump 
it's a symptom. But the root problem, the causes of so many of the infringements on our liberties have to do with all those things he listed. Government acting beyond its rightful bounds, even if it has the best of intentions. He says holding public officials accountable is extremely important to conservatives because the thousands of welfare, warfare, state and regulatory departments and agencies because of those agencies that they favor. Given that these socialist, interventionist and imperialist departments and agencies are inherently ridden with inefficiencies and fraud, the conservative quest has always been, well, to get better people into public office with the aim of bringing an end to waste, fraud and abuse in their welfare, warfare, state programs. In other words, they want to argue about the degree to which these programs should operate or under under whose, you know, uh, principled auspices they should operate rather than whether they should exist in the first place. And when conservatives succeed in getting a free enterprise oriented conservative in charge of a regulatory or welfare warfare state department or agency, they're ecstatic. Hornberger says, because in their minds, that's what freedom is all about. It's bringing choice and competition to a welfare warfare state department or regulatory commission. But he says the aim of libertarians is not to end waste, fraud and abuse in welfare, warfare, state or regulatory departments and agencies. Instead, to abolish such departments and agencies, which means ending the jobs of running such organizations. No jobs obviously means no need to hold anyone accountable for the job he or she is doing. Another factor that libertarians should consider before getting too hyped up over Trump's impeachment is the fact that the impeachment would be for the federal crime of obstruction of justice, a nebulous crime that has long enabled federal officials to target anyone they don't like. And here he recommends the book Three Felonies a Day by Harvey Silverglade, a renowned criminal defense lawyer. In his book, Silverglade points out that on average, Americans commit three federal felonies a day. And that's because of the countless vague federal laws that have been enacted over the decades. These laws are so nebulous, so vague and numerous that there's no way for anyone to know when he has committed a felony. But their advantage to the government is that federal officials can go after anyone they want whenever they want. As the Wall Street Journal's Gordon Kravitz wrote in a favorable review of Silverglade's book, prosecutors identified defendants to go after instead of finding a law that was broken and figuring out who did it. Expect more such prosecutions as Washington adds regulations. And of course, Democrats shouldn't forget. Bill Clinton was charged with obstruction of justice in the Monica Lewinsky affair. As Washington Post reporters Ruth Marcus and Michael Grunewald wrote at the time in 1998, but proving criminal obstruction hinges on nuance, context, and in Clinton's case, details that Lewinsky presumably provided to the grand jury, but that are not yet publicly known. It's a delicate dance, said Boston criminal attorney Harvey Silverglade. The line between innocent activity and obstruction of justice basically boils down to corrupt intent. But it's not always easy to prove corrupt intent. There's more to this article from Jacob Hornberger. I'll share it with you on the other side of news. What are your thoughts? 801-331-8113. We'll be back after this. Credible, thoughtful discussion without the partisan outrage. This is the Loving Liberty Radio Network. USA Radio News with Chris Barnes. President Trump among more than a dozen leaders commemorating D-Day this morning at an event in Portsmouth, England. Opening the ceremony, President Trump read the same prayer that President Franklin Delano Roosevelt had read during a radio message just ahead of D-Day in June of 1944. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization. D-Day was the largest combined land, air, naval invasion in history, marking the beginning of the Allies' victory in World War II Europe. 
private sector job creation slowing to a crawl in May. The ADP private payrolls report just out shows just 27,000 new positions. And this is USA Radio News. So you sit down and do your budget and you look at all your monthly costs and your bills and your income and it seems like there's never quite enough. You know what would really help. Finding $500 a month to help balance things out. That is the typical savings. $500 a month for a family when you switch to MediShare for your health care. And when it comes to health care sharing ministries, MediShare is really the gold standard. It's been around for 25 years and has more than 400,000 members. It's been around so long and grown so much because it works. And whether you're single or married or have kids, this could make sitting down to do a monthly budget a lot more fun. $500 a month can more than cover a car payment or pay back loans, whatever. So join MediShare and go out to dinner to celebrate. Here's the number to call. They are incredibly kind and helpful to talk to. 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. Two medical testing companies now say patient information may have been compromised. One day after Quest Diagnostics announced a data breach affecting 12 million of its patients, LabCorp said yesterday that data of 7.7 million of its patients may have been exposed by a data breach. The breach itself happened at a third-party collections firm. Later today, a Missouri judge may decide the fate of that state's only remaining abortion clinic. A hearing is planned about whether the Planned Parenthood Clinic in St. Louis can continue to operate after state officials refuse to renew its license. Pray that the judge will make the best decision possible, the best decision to truly protect pregnant women and their children. That's Karen Noel Kemper, who is with the Archdiocese of St. Louis. Oakland, California is now the second city in the nation to decriminalize so-called magic mushrooms. And you're listening to USA Radio News. Hey, welcome back to Loving Liberty. I'm Brian Hyde. We're talking about uh, what kind of a difference would impeaching Donald Trump make as far as uh, shifting the tide here in America. I know it would it would be uh, days of celebration and gleeful shouts. The, the sorrow and the angst that you saw election night 2016 would be equaled by the joy and the uh, gloating that would erupt among the, uh, the press and among uh, his uh, Republican and Democratic detractors. There's not a small amount of people. I think we're pretty evenly divided as a country. About half the country would be celebrating. Another half of the country would be enraged. Man, we, li- we live in such an interesting and dangerous time. But the, the bigger question, okay, ste- stepping aside from the partisan stuff, what difference would it make? Would we be any freer? Would we be any less in debt? Would our government be any less entangled in various low-level conflicts all around the globe? I think most of us know the answer, even if it's one that we'd really rather not say out loud. You know, no, it really wouldn't make that big a difference. But partisanship is such a it's such an addictive thing. And this is hard because I know a lot of good people who in good faith are trying to make a difference. And they get sucked in. The the siren song of, of partisanship pulls them in and they will. They will defend the indefensible simply because it's their guy or their gal that's at stake. And unfortunately for for those who don't fall prey to it, it's it's a pretty lonely place because you'll be hated. If you, if you try to promote principle over partisanship, you are going to be a very unpopular individual. And there's just no two ways about it. Truth is not prized as much as. You know, being seen as being on the same, you know, the same plane or being on the, the uh, you know, the, the bandwagon with others. Going back to Jacob Hornberger's article here, he says, as I pointed out in my article, impeach Trump, but only for the right reason. He says the federal crime of obstruction of justice is the federal government's counterpart to the crime of disorderly conduct that local governments use to target people they don't like. Both crimes have no objective definition. Both are based on subjective interpretations. But Hornberger says, as I also pointed out in that article, there are other things that Trump should be impeached for, 
such as waging illegal wars in which he is wrongfully killing people. If the wrongful killing of human beings in an illegal war is not a high crime that merits impeachment, I don't know what is. And he says it boggles my mind that Democrats want to impeach Trump for the nebulous crime of obstructing justice, but oppose his impeachment for wrongfully killing people in an illegal war. No doubt that's because they consider such killings and illegal wars no big deal. There's another factor to consider. He says the one that Democrats refuse to consider, and that is the possibility that the deep state was targeting Trump for electoral defeat and then later after he won for a regime change ouster. That's why Attorney General Barr has appointed U.S. Attorney John Durham to investigate that aspect of the controversy. Now, if it turns out there is substantial evidence to support that allegation, would it be really proper to impeach Trump for pushing back against political misconduct on the part of the deep state? One thing is for sure, if Trump is impeached, he will set aside Rudolph Giuliani and hire the best team of criminal defense lawyers in the country. If pro-impeachment advocates think that the impeachment trial will be a nice, polite, one-sided affair in which they simply introduce into evidence Robert Mueller's report, they're hopelessly naive. Hornberger says Trump's lawyers will subpoena every deep state actor involved in the controversy with the aim of establishing that all this was a deep state effort to help Hillary Clinton win the election and then to oust Trump from office before the 2020 election. That might be one reason that House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is showing some reluctance to rush headlong to an impeachment vote. And there is one possible reason why some conservatives and maybe even some libertarians would view Trump's impeachment as a victory for freedom. In its 2016 report ranking the nation's governors for tax and fiscal responsibility, the Cato Institute gave Vice President Mike Pence an A rating. Therefore, it would stand to reason that a conservative or possibly even a libertarian might feel that replacing Trump with Pence would advance freedom in America. But Jacob Hornberger says they're wrong. Pence is every bit as much a Republican statist as Trump. They both believe in the welfare warfare state way of life. And in fact, Pence might be an even more fervent believer in America's forever wars than Trump. At recent commencement exercises at West Point, Pence essentially told the West Pointers they'd better be prepared for waging endless war. As James Madison pointed out, of all the enemies to liberty, war is the biggest. So the bottom line here, according to Jacob Hornberger, is there are no shortcuts to a free society. He says what we libertarians need to do is keep our focus on the goal line, freedom, not impeachment, which means continuing to stand fast for libertarian principles. Here's the phone number, just in case that uh, may deserve a response. 801-331-8113. I have to agree with him. Now, I want you to know, I don't, I don't carry the label libertarian. The others say, well, Brian, your, your rhetoric or the way you take a stand, uh, you know, it outs you as a libertarian. Okay, if that's the case, if that's, if that's how you see me, that's fine. I just want to make it clear, I'm not hiding behind a label. The principles and practices of freedom and good government are what matter to me. And that's why I'm much more inclined to, instead of arguing over to which degree should government be infringing our liberties, I'm more inclined to say, why should it be infringing our liberties at all? And that doesn't play very well with partisan politics, but there it is. Look, the system the founders gave us was not a perfect system. It was created by men. So there are going to be human fallibility factors that, that come into play here. Human beings and human nature themselves are, are a challenge. One of the reasons why they sent, set up the system of government that they did was to address that human nature quirk of, hey, give me a little power, that's good. Give me a lot of power, that's better. And so they broke up and they decentralized that power. They feared consolidation of power in too few hands. And that's why there was vertical separation of the powers between the federal governments and the states and the municipalities. And there was horizontal separation of powers at every level with the judiciary, the executive and legislative branches. And you'll see their counterparts at every level, both federal, state and local. 
they gave us a very sound way to approach governance, which gave, I think, the, in my opinion, the most unprecedented amount of freedom in human history. Yeah, but what did that get us? Well, I'll tell you what it got us. It got us the greatest nation in terms of freedom and economically on the face of the planet. And unfortunately, because we failed to maintain and to understand and to live up to the principles and practices of freedom that allowed us to accomplish this, it's something that we're losing. I saw a great question, and I'm going to ask this one uh, later on today. I'll I'll be doing uh, the afternoon uh, Loving Liberty show at 1 o'clock this afternoon. One of the questions I'm going to ask, and I'll invite you to join in the discussion, is what have you seen or heard in the last 10 years that you would consider the most remarkable thing you've seen or heard in the last decade? I have some thoughts on this, but I'd be anxious to hear yours. We've been moving forward for a while. There's a lot going on. But we've also been kind of lazy. And I include myself. It took me a long time to recognize that, yes, I do have a dog in this fight. And I do have, I have incentive to to stand up and to promote the principles and practices of liberty. But... It took a long time to find the courage to actually do so because like like everybody, I started out really not knowing. I didn't know. I didn't understand. And that puts me at a bit of a disadvantage, you know, as it would anybody. But at least I, I started moving forward, began to learn. I continue to learn. I'm certainly a work in progress. And I'm encouraging you to do the same thing. Not because I want you to vote this way or that way or belong to this party or that party or even agree with anything that I'm saying. But simply because there, there is no shortcut. There's no high road. You can't bypass the need to understand what it is you're standing up for. And if you don't want to be the person who's standing there on the sidelines lobbing grenades in, you know, to the fray, but you want to be one of the people who's actively moving a cause that you believe in. That's the price you have to be willing to pay. You've got to be willing to step up, understand what you're standing for, and then be principled. Even when everybody else is saying, no, 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 we want to go this direction. You've got to be willing to be unpopular. Maybe even punished. It's not easy. But it's worth it for the peace of conscience that comes along with making a principled stand. All right, I'm going to jump off the soapbox. We'll pay a couple of bills. We'll be back after this. America is built and based on liberties and freedoms. Liberty HealthShare brings that to health care. The liberty of choosing your own doctor. The liberty of choosing your own hospital. Liberty HealthShare makes health care affordable to millions of Americans. Ignite your liberty. Sharing plans starting at $199 for a single, $399 for a couple, and no matter how big the family, only $529. That's $529 for the entire family. To learn how you can save, go to lightyourliberty.com. That's lightyourliberty.com. Blue Star Medicated Ointment gets five-star reviews from our loyal users for fast relief of the pain and itch of almost any skin irritation. Blue Star soothes insect bites and fungal infections. It really works on the summer rashes I get every year. I had psoriasis on my elbows. Blue Star worked wonders. Amazing stuff. Smear a bit on and the itch is gone. Look for the white box with the Blue Star in the first aid section. Feel Blue Star work fast or your money back. When it comes to your pain, many of you might be skeptical, like I was, about ordering Relief Factor. Pat Boone again for this wonderful 100% drug-free supplement designed to help your own body lower or eliminate occasional aches and pains due to aging, exercise, everyday living. I'm not skeptical any longer. The three-week quick start is now discounted to only $19.95. Why don't you let us see if we can get you out of pain, too, at relieffactor.com. 
Do you wish you could get better sleep and maybe lose a few pounds? Maybe more than a few pounds? Well, there's this product called Calitrin that helps with both sleep and weight loss. Just listen to what people are saying about it. I've been taking Calitrin for right about three months, and I've lost 24 pounds and 19 overall inches. But my sleep has improved. I have so much more energy, and I have the desire to succeed more than ever. Anyone who needs weight loss, more energy, and better sleep, this product really does deliver. I'm Roger. Uh, Over the three months that I took the product, my sleeping habits uh, are increasingly much better. I got a better night's sleep, and uh, I just can't say enough about the product and how it makes you feel. Also, uh, I additionally lost a little bit of weight on the program as well. Hi, this is Erickson. I take Calitrin for weight loss, and I've lost about 20 pounds, and I feel great. Calitrin is scientifically proven to help with sleep and weight loss safely and effectively. Check it out at TopLoss.com. That's TopLoss.com. We could all use a little help stretching our food budget. So listen close, because what I'm about to share with you is one of Salt Lake City's best-kept secrets. Nikki's Wholesale Food Warehouse has an astonishing selection of foods purchased from a local food distributor, from fresh produce to restaurant-quality sauces, meats, and snacks at prices below wholesale cost. Seeing is believing. Go to the Nikki's Wholesale Food Warehouse Facebook page and like it and follow them. That's Nikki's Wholesale Food Warehouse. Welcome back to Loving Liberty. I'm Brian Hyde. Thanks for joining me today. 801-331-8113 is the number. All right. I got a little good news and, hey, more good news. We'll start with, uh, you know, you know how mom used to tell you, hey, quit watching so much TV. Get up off your butts and go outside and play. And, uh, hey, the good news is average U.S. time spent uh, watching TV has dropped Okay, there's another side to this coin. Unfortunately, the average U.S. time spent with mobile devices has increased. Now, I get a little update. In fact, it's, it's kind of ironic because it always comes to me every Sunday morning in church. Just probably has to do with the time I'm in church. But um, I get a little uh, notification on my phone that tells me, here's what your weekly average screen time was per day. And I'm very happy to tell you, my screen time on average was down 29%. Last week. That's a good thing. I mean, that means uh, I was only spending, what, about two and a half hours a day in front of a screen. Now, of course, this is talking about a mobile device. Truth be told, I actually spend, well, pretty much all day in front of a computer screen. I'm either, you know, doing my show or I'm editing audio or producing other shows. And so that uh, I, I have a lot of screen time. My eyes are like, yeah, tell us about it. There's a reason you need reading glasses for everything, and that's probably part of it. But we're giving up television in favor of using our mobile devices. For the first time ever, in fact, this article from uh, eMarketer.com points out, U.S. consumers will spend more time using their mobile devices than they will watching TV, smartphone use dominating that time spent. Man, these little devices really have shifted some things. Consumers' use of smartphones, the article says, will continue to make up the majority of their media consumption, but the article predicts that that use will plateau by next year as consumers become increasingly uneasy about the overuse of mobile devices. Now, apparently, on average, a U.S. adult will spend 3 hours 43 minutes on mobile devices every day in 2019, just above the 335 spent on television. Of time spent on mobile... U.S. consumers will spend two hours and 55 minutes on smartphones. That's a nine-minute increase from last year. In 2018, mobile time spent was three three hours, 35 minutes, with TV time spent at 3.44. Tablet use among adults continues to lose ground, having peaked at one hour, 11 minutes daily in 2017 and dipping to one hour, eight minutes this year. That trend is expected to continue through 2021. Yoram Wormsmer, Wormser, rather, an e-marketer principal analyst, says we've expected mobile would overtake TV for a while, but seeing it happen is still surprising. As recently as 2014, the average U.S. adult watched nearly two hours more television than they spent on their phones. Now that's flipped. 
So what are people spending time on their devices doing? They're consistently spending the bulk of their time using apps over web browsers, with the average person spending 2 hours 57 minutes in apps versus just 26 minutes on a mobile browser. Can you believe that? I can. The only time I ever use the the um, browser is when I'm trying to search up something. Apps. People spend most of their time listening to digital audio. Yeah. <laughs> that's, sorry, but I feel like that's that's a little celebratory thing there. Followed by social network activity. Digital audio apps continue to add minutes because people are streaming more music on their phones and podcasts have taken off in popularity in the past few years. Longer term, the article says smartphones will remain the dominant device for consumer media, but backlash continues over spring over screen time, rather, even if broader consumer behavior hasn't reflected these sentiments. Companies like Google and Apple have redu- have introduced screen time controls. How useful they are in ultimately changing behavior, that still remains to be seen. So kind of interesting. I think uh, the, the most telling thing that I see is when there is a lull in conversation. Or even if there's just a moment where it's like, okay, I'm not actively engaged in doing anything. I'm going to be looking at my smartphone. And I see other people doing this. I see it around my dinner table. I see it happening all the time. I'm not sure that it's a good thing. In fact, I've seen a number of uh, people point out we're less connected now because we're all, you know, we're texting each other from across the room or sending Snapchat or or something like that. Marco Polo, there's another favorite app to stay in touch with family. Little short video snippets instantly sent back and forth. So something to keep an eye on. Here's more good news. Fewer and fewer Americans are getting divorced. The article on intellectualtakeout.org says fewer and fewer Americans are getting divorced with the rates falling 18 percent between 2008 and 2016. Among American adults, there is support for divorce when couples don't get along. Women, people from underrepresented racial and ethnic groups and adults who have experienced divorce personally among or among family and friends are especially likely to be accepting. Despite this growing acceptance, the divorce rate dipped again last year, and that decline began in 1980 or 1990, depending on which data source and which experts you turn to. But according to the Centers for Disease Control, the number of divorced persons per 100 per 1,000 Americans rather fell from 4.7 in 1990 to just 2.9 in 2016. You know who's driving this downward trend? It's adults age 45 and younger. Apparently, the younger adults are more decisive, not only in the timing of their nuptials, but also in their choice to marry. And many of these younger adults choose to marry after they've achieved their desired level of education or established their careers or stabilized their finances. And they also want to be bonded with a mate based on love, friendship and common interests rather than social obligation. I'm kind of glad to see that, especially since I have three daughters and Let's just say the dowries would have been getting pretty expensive by this point. All right, let's open up the phone here. 801-331-8113. Hi, welcome to Loving Liberty. Yeah, Brian. Uh, Sam calling. Um, on the issue of the uh, mobile phone usage, um, yeah, I, uh, I, that's, that's a pet peeve of mine because one of the things I run into with people getting so buried in their smartphones and everything is I'll be out with somebody, sometimes particularly a sighted person is where I find it the, the biggest problem, and I'll be talking to them, and without them saying in them anything to me at all, I'll be carrying on a conversation with them. The next thing I know, they've dialed somebody on the phone, they already started talking to them without even saying anything to me, and then so what happens is I sit there feeling like a buffoon because I'm sitting there carrying on a conversation with them, and all the time they're dialing a call and they didn't even tell me. Yeah, that uh, that doesn't sound like very uh, polite behavior. Yeah, and I find quite a few of them doing that. And I'm thinking, folks, you know, for crying out loud, if you're going to make a call, at least have the courtesy of telling somebody, hey, I need to make a call for a minute or something like that. I at least respect you for doing that. Sure. Uh, but to just dial the call while I'm sitting there talking to you, that's that's absolutely rude. And particularly when I have a disadvantage of not being able to see you make the call, 
uh, that makes it even worse. So I get really aggravated with them over that. But that that just shows another element of the of the uh, problems with people being so attached to their uh, smartphones that they just out of habit they'll just make a call. They won't even say anything, and the first thing you know, they're on the phone talking to somebody. And you're sitting there trying to carry on a conversation. You don't know they did it. So uh, that's an element of it that uh, really gets to me with the smartphone craze. Something I've caught myself doing, and I'm ashamed every time I catch myself doing it, is when I'm talking with someone and uh, and I check my phone. Like I get a, I get an alert or something like that, and I you know pull my phone out and check it. And it takes a very conscious effort. When, when I'm talking with somebody, in fact, I've gotten a habit now, I'll just slip my phone in my back pocket, and it can, it can ring all at once. Now, if it keeps ringing, I may say, excuse me, somebody's trying to reach me. Can I just see who it is? Um, but, but I'll at least acknowledge I'm, I, need, I need a little time out here. And, you know, if I see that it's please call, it's an emergency, okay, then I know I can disengage. But for the most part, I, I have to pretend like the phone doesn't exist. Otherwise, I'm going to be rude. My eyes are going to be wandering. I'll be nodding. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Halfway listening, but uh, but the phone has my attention. Yeah, yeah. And I see that a lot. I, I run into that a lot with people, uh, and it's, it's unfortunate. But it's uh, it just goes to show you. It's, it's no wonder we can't hardly reach each other because it's just another way that we're all being distracted and uh, and not really dealing with things that we need to be dealing with in conversation. And uh, getting back real briefly to Jacob Hornberger's article, all this impeachment thing does is it's just a distraction from the issues that really need to be dealt with. And they're always throwing extra, uh, distractions at us. If it's not the Democrats on impeachment, it's the Republicans on something else. Nobody ever wants to deal with, this, with the real issues because the real issues are the third rail that nobody wants to touch. Bingo. You nailed it. Sam, thanks so much for your call. Coming up next hour... Isaac Morehouse from Praxis joins me. You will love what this guy has to say. Timely, credible, thoughtful discussion without the partisan outrage. This is the Loving Liberty Radio Network. 